Welcome to the Talking Dad podcast. And today's guest joining me for a dad chat is Mark Asquith. Hello, Mark. How are you? I am good, sir. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. This is one of those podcasts I've been wanting to be on for a long time. So this is an honor, mate. Perfect. Glad to have you. Um, yeah. So dad chat, let's start off by you telling me and us, us about dad life, family life, how it's all working for you, who's involved, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, so I'm still pretty new to dad life. I'm, uh, I'm 15 months in to dad life, which is, yeah. which is quite interesting. It was quite an adjustment last year. So there's myself, um, my fiance, soon to be wife in like 11 days, uh, Sam. Congratulations. Is, thank you very much. I appreciate that. We've got a lot going on even before the wedding, like we work and, uh, travel and stuff. So it's quite a hectic time. And then obviously we've got a little girl as well. So it's, it's, um, it's been quite an adjustment. We had a, a massive year last year with all sorts of different things, personally, professionally, and obviously having the little girl. Um, I wouldn't say right in the midst of it, but right, right, the, almost like right at the beginning of it. Um, so it was such a tumultuous year last year. But yeah, that's the setup. We three and two dogs, which is a laugh. Yeah, nice. So the dog were the dogs there first, yeah. Yeah, the dogs were there first. We got like a sixteen-year-old staff in Molly who's uh, like grumpy as hell. Um, and then this two-year-old little uh, terrier and uh, terrier and sausage dog cross called Norman, who's in a nightmare. He's a lovely little dog, but he finds ways to escape from the garden all the time. Um, so like last year was obviously dealing with parenthood, but also dealing with a dog that escaped and trying to patch up the holes in the fence and stuff. So yeah, yeah, they, they, they've been around since before, before child. That's an interesting mix and, a, and an interesting name. Um, a, a bloke called Norman used to work with my dad years and years ago. And I always heard stories about him because he was a, a fantastic skiver. They used to find him around the building sites, sleeping in cupboards and all sorts. But anyway, we're getting this. Oh, he's like the, uh, sounds like the embodiment of my dog, mate. Maybe he's <laughs> uh, like a reincarnate. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so family life then at home, are you, are you based at home working from home majority of the time and all that is, um, is family life yeah. fairly easy? Yeah, we, we, we were, so we worked, as you know, working with Captivate, we were, we were able to carry on working through lockdown, which was nice. Um, and um, we're able to work at home. We moved house in, in about October of the year of lockdown, so October 2020. So we're coming up to three years in this place. And when we bought this place, it's, this is like an entire sort of annex to the building. So I've got this office that I'm very fortunate to be able to work in. Um, Brilliant. Well, it was kind of cool that the people that bought it, you probably not see it because we're all the gear behind me, but the, um, the, the, the people that had this house before us used to, I think, run a business from here. So they put this thing on top of the garage. So the garage is beneath me. Um, so it's, it, it is quite fortunate because obviously I do a lot of recording and so on. Um, and when our little girl's obviously having a meltdown or whatever, um, I can still do the recording and still do the work and stuff. But it, on the flip side of that, it's cool because we we got acquired by Global and uh, about two months prior to us, us having our little girl. And we one of the provisions of, of the acquisition was that we wouldn't have to go to the London office like every day or even the Manchester one every day because it's way too much. It just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Um, so we, we've been super fortunate with that, that we can, we can, we can find a bit of balance um, by working at home and, 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 you know, frankly go to the office one day a week or whatever we want to do, which is very, very nice. So yeah, we, we, we are very fortunate. It's not always as easy as it sounds you know, um, a good friend of mine's a builder who did all the work on, on the house that we needed doing. And he was saying, oh, it's, 
it's lucky that you get to work at home. And I was like, it is, don't get me wrong. It is. I'm very fortunate. But at the same time, it's not, you know, the routine's difficult. The fact that you're always in joggers and never feel like you're actually getting dressed to go to work is very difficult. And it's, um, it's weird, man. But yeah, we're at home. We're at home. Um, which I am grateful for, I must admit. You look like you've got a nice little setup there. And um, I'm in the dining room at the moment, which has its uh, has its challenges when you're trying to record podcasts. Mm. Not too bad at the moment because we are recording in the afternoon. But when I do an evening one, I have to kind of time it around a kid's bedtime because you never know. You might hear some thudding about footsteps or yeah. there might be a shout or a scream. Can I have another drink or whatever? Um, but I've just... I was rushing around earlier on. I actually went out. I thought it'd be a good idea to try and get the food shop in this morning. Yeah. Um, well, I say this morning, around lunchtime, just before we were due to come on. Nipped into B&Q and I was weighing up some some roofing panels that I need for my garage. I want to create my own little space out there that I can record in. So um, I would just nipped in to price some things up and obviously things just don't don't go to plan, do they? You don't get in and out of places anymore that you can just run in. And <laughs> so I was rushing to get back. But um, yeah, we, I did the, the working from home, obviously, along with most other people um, for a couple of years, but now I'm back based in the office, which um, is a, is a it's still an adjustment. And that started in, they wanted us all back in in January and it, I'm still adjusting to it now. I think I, I got so used to just being at home and like you say, wearing your joggers, I'd be on a Zoom call or whatever for meetings like this. Um I'd have my joggers on underneath. And then when I had to go out and do visits and go and see people, I, I'd have to go upstairs, get dressed and go back out as if I was starting my, my work day from scratch. But it was just handy because the kids' school and the nursery's local. I could just go and pick them up and be home at sort of five o'clock, five past five instead of almost six. So it's uh, it's definitely a benefit, I would say, being at home a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Now, I think there's a lot to be said for I was talking to someone the other day about like, you know, going back full time. And I thought, what's the point? Like we're, we're fortunate we're in tech anyway. So I can get away with wearing a hat. I can get away. You know, it's it's, it's actually almost expected that I dress like this. Um, But it's, it's weird because you, you like, what's the point unless you've got to go out and see people, unless you've genuinely got, got to go out and do visits and so on. And I, I genuinely don't see that much benefit. A lot of people say, you know, you lose the serendipitous conversations that you have, the whole, you know, cliched water cooler stuff. And I get that if you're the sort of person, but I hate that. Yeah, I am not that person. I can't be asked with that. What's the point in that? I don't, I don't give it. Do you know what? It sounds off, but I don't give a crap about what anyone did at the weekend. Not interested. Like, I'll go out for a beer with you and then we'll chat about that, you know? And it's sort of, I've always had that problem. It's a lot of people don't see this about me because I do a lot of content. I do a lot of this. I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of live streaming. But I'm like mega introvert. I don't want to spend time with people. Um, so this has been perfect. I get that perfect mix. And, and and to be able to bond with the family as well whilst doing that, it really is a nice little mix. Um, don't get me wrong. It does drive you mad now and again. You know, there's sometimes where in lockdown, you know, you couldn't just say, right, you know what? I'm going to go two days a week into the office this week or even go down Starbucks or a coffee shop or whatever. Like I do a lot of work from there just because I can stick my headphones on, get my laptop out. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff, um, like planning podcast episodes is a great example. You know, I'll, 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 um, I can't remember how many I've got planned now, but I think I've got about five or six planned for my sort of quote unquote work podcast. And I just do all that out of a coffee shop. Um, because I can do, 
The amount of work that I get done at home with some focus time, plus in a coffee shop in some focus time, I even get so much more done than I would do at work. And it's just because of the environment. So it's it's actually a benefit from a productivity perspective as well. So yeah, it's it's an odd, it really is an odd circumstance, I think. Uh, you know, the going back to work full time. If you even if you take the family out of it, it's such a weird thing to even consider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like you were saying, you moved uh, during that time of lockdown as well. And we, we did the same thing. We bought this house in the December, um, a couple of months before everything sort of stopped, ground to a halt. And so we were dealing with renovations and getting things ready. And we were living with my parents for a little bit at, at that time as well, as as everything started um, to lock down. So it was a massive change. And you, and you go through that change and then you get used to it for doing it for two years, almost three years. And then all of a sudden an employer just says, right, I want you back in on Monday, back in the office on Monday. And that's it. And they're like, wow. Yeah. Brilliant. But it is, it is an adjustment. Definitely. Is there uh, is there any recent rewards and challenges you've had with your 15 month old? Oh, there's always, you know, it's like there's rewards and challenges every day, isn't there? Um, you know, the, 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 the easiest kind of the like dichotomy of it is, you know, she's learning new words every single day, yeah. but then, you know, one day she learns the word, no, you're like, right, great stuff. You know, they so it's, they love that, that word, don't they? Oh, it's a right laugh. And I actually admire that. I'm, I'm sort of a, um, like I admire her for a tenacity. She's got a kind of, she's got both me and mum clearly in her when both very independent, both very pretty outspoken, pretty fiery. And so I always admire that, you know, I'm, I'm, if, if, if she, you know, she can only articulate certain things using certain elements. So, uh, you know, inevitably I'll, 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 yeah, it's a challenge where, you know, you're proud of her for learning the word, no one knowing how to apply it, but then she knows how to apply it to every bloody thing. Yeah. So you sort of find yourself fighting with that. So I'm, I'm almost, I'm always in awe of it and almost very kind of celebrating it, you know, celebrating that kind of movement and that development. But at the same time, you sort of like, oh, actually that, that poses now a, a, another education challenge. How do I teach her to apply that when it matters and to not just use it as a, as a, as a bit of a thing to kick off with. And then you sort of realize that she's 15 months old, you know? So it's, um, there's a lot of challenges, I think for her, a lot of challenges for me, a lot of challenges for, for, for my fiance, Sam, a lot of challenges, um, in, I, th I think figuring out how you, um, how you manage yourself to help them with the education that comes with every new development, um, because that's that, that for me is what it's all about. Like I'm fascinated by it all. You know, the idea that okay, she's now learned no, that means I've got a whole range of things now that I've got to talk to her about, and I've got to teach her, and got to subtly empathise with, and I've got to figure out how to kind of. Um, direct that behavior and, and understand why she's saying no and what she's saying. So there's a, there's always that going on, um, which, but, but I love it. I love it. Like I said, I, I admire her for it. I'm not a, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that's a, you know, be seen and not heard. If you're, if you're a kid, you know, it's just got be, be a kid, you know, be nuts, be, be tenacious, be a pain in my neck. Um, that's what you're there for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that feels like definitely what they're made for. And, uh, so, so is she at nursery? Yeah, she does like, um, well, she's not a nursery. She's a, um, she does like a three day a week. Well, I suppose it is nursery. It's like a daycare place. Um, yeah. 
but it's it's sort of like a preschool. Um, and then she booked him for nursery, like when she took, you know, the quote unquote proper nursery after three. Right. But she she was in that really early. We got her in there. So she was born in the February last year. We we got her in there. I want to say like October, maybe. Um, I'll have a quick look at that. But I, I'm sure it was around October. Um, and it was quite nervy. But she she's always been a really sociable kid. She's always been even from like day, well day one of her being born. Yeah, she started tenth of October. So even from like day one of her being around she's been staying at my sister's and at my mum's and sam's mum's and dad's and just because we've got a family that wants to see her and spend time with her and they've always been around kids so they're really kind of um au fait with what it takes to bring a kid up so she's she's been very fortunate enough to be socialized really quickly she's been around people so we yeah we got her in this daycare two or three days a week uh start with two and then up to, to three in about january or february and man she's amazing for it she's such a sociable kid um, we take her to this dancing class. She does this baby tiny ballet uh, thing on a Saturday, although she was supposed to do it last Saturday and ended up covering me in sick. I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram, but that was a laugh. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> shit, man, that was just like, I got her. I mean, it was fortunate that I didn't go in with her. So we got to the building. It's about eight minute drive, right? Turned into the building and she just like projectiled everywhere. And I was like, well, that's annoying. But also at the same time, at least she didn't do it in there all over everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a laugh. But um, yeah, she, she, goes to, she goes to this tiny ballet. It's only week two that she's in for it. And um, it's weird because all the other kids of her age, they're sort of sat cowering, they're sort of gripping the parents and, 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 and really not um, finding it easy to get involved. And, and, and our little girl is she like instantly in there. She's straight out into the middle of the floor. She's dancing. She's loving it and saying hello to everyone. And we attribute, we do attribute that to just, yeah, I'm sure it's a bit of nature, but just this idea that she's, she's got to know kids at different ages very, very quickly. She's got a lot of nieces and nephews that she's spent time with and overnights with since she was born. Yeah. And then she's been in this nursery environment or this daycare environment. Um, so it's really, really helped her. And I think the development has just really kind of come on massively with it. She's very, very chatty. She's very, 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 very good at picking things up. I think just because she's been around other kids. You know, like she's learned the word mine. So imagine no and mine yeah. in the same week. Like, oh my word. Um, we don't know where she's learned mine from. I've never taught her it. Sam's never taught her it. We can only attribute it to this daycare and nursery set, set up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's doing the things we can't do for, I don't know how to teach kids everything they need to learn. You know, I'm, I'm a great dad, I'm sure. And Sam's a great mum, but I'm not qualified in this, so at least give her some time with someone that's better at it, you know? Yeah. And that, and a lot of it can be that they're just learning from their peers and, and and the other kids that are there as well. So another kid might have said mine and, and she's just thought, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I'll do that. That seems to be, because that, that, that thread definitely follows up into school that um, mm. when they get into school, they start picking all sorts up from all different other kids because they all mix and stuff, don't they? So. Oh yeah. Then you start Imagine. to get a few more challenges. <laughs> oh, I can imagine yeah because yeah and that's where they get the you know when they get their own opinions as well like even to the point now where you know she she will she clearly likes certain things and she dislikes certain things and it's 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 fascinating because you for me like you've always got to remember that she's a person i always think it's difficult to forget that she's her own person yeah. sorry it's difficult to remember that she's her own person it's easy to forget 
that she's not just this kind of this little thing that requires care and that you've got to impart your um, tastes onto her. And, I, you know, one thing that I'm really conscious of is that, you know, trying to let her form those opinions really quickly and really early. You know, you don't like strawberries. That's cool. It's not a, you know, we'll, we'll try you four or five times with it over the course of six months, I'm sure. But when, if you, it's not a case of, you know, all, all kids like X, Y, and Z. And I, I, you see that, I can see that a lot with like my grandparents and stuff. It was just like, no, you're a kid. You should like this stuff or you should act like this or you should be like yeah. that. Yeah. And there seems to be quite a generational difference with that. And even like how you see it with grandparents now, like the discussions that you have with kids are very, very different, you know, and it's, it's certainly my Northern working class upbringing was very much do as I say, not as I do. And I'm like, that is crap. What's the point in that? That's stupid. Um, like that, that clearly doesn't build any kind of education or respect because I'll just, I'll just rebel against it because yeah. it's cool to try other stuff. And it's just, it's weird kind of balancing, you know, what you've been brought up with, with the stuff that you clearly know didn't work. Um, yeah. and that's such a weird thing, you know, you've got to be conscious of it and you've got to actively try and leave that out and leave it behind. Mm -hmm. But it, because you've been brought up with it, it's so ingrained, you, you'll find yourself saying certain things. You think, oh, my mum or dad used to say that, and I never really took any notice of them. So why am I saying it? It's That's right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, we all have it. I think, you know, people of a certain age, I'm 41, how old am I? 41. And I had to check, which is <laughs> weird. Um, and, you know, it, it's you do find yourself becoming your parents. You find yourself saying things. And I, I always try and kind of keep myself a bit accountable for that like why have I said that is it because it's the easiest thing to say that I think will help in the situation that I'm in now or is it the right thing to say or the right thing to do and often they're not the same thing you know no um but I get it it's not easy um I think you've just you know if you can be a little bit more mindful I think you've probably already got a head start over most people um because a lot of people just don't um, yeah. that's not criticism. It's more just a reality of having a kid, you know, if, if a kid's throwing stuff around and having a tantrum and you've got 30 other things going on and you've got to get this other thing done or you're cooking or whatever, you know, all of that, it's cool to be mindful. It's great to be empathetic. That's really difficult to do. Life's really busy and you've got yeah a hundred other things you've got to do and remember and, um, you know, that's completely fresh in my mind. As I said, my wife's just been away for the weekend on a Hindu and it's been me and the kids <laughs> all weekend. And, uh, you know, we quite often spend weekends at home or in the garden mm. or um, we're not always out doing something. So we do spend time together at home, but it's very different when you're on your own doing that. And you've yeah. got, well, I've got a six-year-old just about to be seven. And then I've got a two-year-old who's, uh, there's quite an age gap there, but it's, it's good enough in the one sense that the the little one wants to do what the older one is doing and, and can start to do more now because he's getting to that age where he can copy and he can hold his own and he's all right with it. Mm. But then there's certain things the older one wants to do, the little one can't do. So And and sometimes he knows that and he'll do that on purpose because he knows the little one can't do it. Uh, well, so, I... you know, like playing football in the garden and kicking it over the little wall so we can then go onto the grass, then the yeah. little one so he'll climb over the wall, go and get the ball. The little one can't follow, but he's trying to climb. <laughs> I'm in the kitchen trying to wash the pots and I've got to go out and go and pick him up and say, you're not allowed to climb over the wall because you're going to fall and hurt yourself. 
um, and then try and talk to the older one to convince him to come back on the other side of the wall. And he's realised that this is a fun game now, so why would I? And I imagine as well, that's like 30 times an hour. You know, like that entire sequence that you just mentioned, like that's tough on its own once, isn't it? Definitely. You know, (laughs) but that's like 10 times an hour because it's it's just kids. Um, And I think that repetitive nature of things as well can get quite grinding, can't it? Because you've got, you you can easily spend a day doing the same five tasks over and over, you know? And it's, that can be quite, that's an adjustment, you know, when you've not, because this is our first kid, you know, going from not having a kid to that, that can be an adjustment in itself because it's suddenly, they've, you've got freedom, but you've not got the same type of freedom that you had before. You know, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's different. You've got, you've got to consider people, which is fascinating. <laughs> Definitely one word for it, fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was being uh, diplomatic, I think, it's on that one. Positive way to look at it. Um, yeah. <laughs> was that? Was there anything that that particularly surprised you, good or bad, as you've gone into fatherhood? Hmm. I think I'm surprised by how naturally we adapted to it. That was a thing, but at the same time, how difficult that, that adaption was. So what I mean by that is that, like, we both love being parents, and it's some, one of those things where, like, we instantly loved it, like instantly. Um, and I think that surprised us how natural that was because we just weren't considering it being that straightforward. But at the same time, I think there was a massive subconscious adjustment that needed to happen because it was, it was, um, it was almost a, a range of small subtleties that needed adjusting. So like a thought process around going out, a thought process around one of us going out and socializing separately a thought process around the things you need to do before work and after work. Um, so it was sort of this, you know, the, the big grand gesture of being a parent was really easy, but the subtleties, the nuance between the tasks and the little things that you had to do day to day, like that was, that took a year, probably a year before we felt comfortable with each little thing. And, and even the mindset of, uh, you know, a great example might be right. Sam and I have, um, we've got, a, we've got a, a night off from, from our little girl. She's going to stay with my mum. Uh, Saturday, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to have a meal, we're going to have a couple of drinks. Um, what does that look like on a Saturday? Well, it actually looks like getting up pretty early, getting everything sorted, getting her over there to the parents, getting back and getting changed. And and it, it sort of becomes this mammoth task, but it's, and, and again, that, that feels fairly obvious and easy because it's like, of course, you've got a kid now. And that's the headline that everyone tells you. You've got a kid. Yeah. You'll get them ready and they'll throw up everywhere and you have to get them ready again. Like that big grand gesture headline is understood. What's, I think the, the adjustments were the little bits of detail. So like, okay, last week we packed one outfit and a spare. Now we're going to pack three because we've learned from that. Yeah. And instead of packing five nappies, we're going to pack 10. Oh, and actually... The food that we give her, that's cool. She likes it 90% of the time. But what if this is the one day she chooses that she doesn't like this thing? So it's all of these little um, decisions that I think give you a little bit of fatigue and means that, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock when they're in bed, whenever, that's the, wow, that was a day. And you've not done anything. Yeah. You know, all you've done is like walk from the kitchen to the living room 35,000 times. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's it, so that was... I think the big surprise was the big headlines were easy. You know, that I am now a parent. We love it. It's amazing. 
Um, and of course, the clear big differences are really big differences. Yeah. But like I said, the subtleties, the baseline decision making, that bottom end, you know, the 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 real nuanced stuff that you're always optimizing and learning from. Um, that's fatigue, man. That really takes it hours. You, you know, you'll know this better than anyone. It's 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 a, it's a mind blower. Thank you for listening to Talking Dad UK. You can keep updated on all things dad by checking out our website, www.talkingdaduk.com. Also launching the new Patreon page, where you can join the paid tier Talking Dads Club. It's £3 a month, it helps offset some of the costs of podcasting, and ensures that we can keep this ongoing resource library available for all. All the links will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and back to the episode. This weekend, actually, the, the day my wife was getting ready to go, uh, no, the night before. So we'd nip the shop, all the kids in the car, we'd pick up a few last bits, and so we've got a car seat that's rear-facing in the back. That's where the two-year-old mm-hmm. still sits. It's been perfect. He's loved it. Quite often it's handy in an afternoon if we're going out because he will generally fall asleep and he'll have his nap there in the car as we get home and we can kind of sit in, in the front porch area and kind of watch him or whatever. So... He's decided all of a sudden now that he's interested in the buckle and that he's figured out how to undo it and he'll just undo it as we're driving along. So that was a challenge because then ordinarily, if my wife wasn't away, she would sit in the back for a bit and my older one would come and sit in the front. So she'd keep an eye on him mm-hmm. and try and distract him out of it. So he forgets, wasn't able to do that this weekend. So uh, luckily we've got one of them 360 chair things that spins around and does the older ages as well. Godsend because... I've been able to spin him around this weekend so he's facing forward so I can see him in the rear view mirror as I'm driving around, keep mm-hmm. my eye on him. And I think just because it's a different viewpoint, it's enough to distract him away from playing with the buckle. So luckily I've not had a two-year-old <clears throat> climbing over me as I'm driving around trying to do things oh, this weekend. Word. So quite lucky on that front. But just one of them little things, do car journeys, God knows how many times in the time that he's been alive and then all of a sudden, one thing changes. He's figured out the buckle. That's it. It's, we can't take him out. Can't put him in the car. I can't go anywhere. What am I going yeah, to do? Yeah. <laughs> I need to get. I need to, I need to duct tape the buckle so he can't do it while I'm driving. Who knows what I'm going to do? Duct tape him. Just get him <laughs> duct tape. Find me a bit, a bit of gaffer tape. Get him just taped in. That's the thing, though, isn't it? With everything, you know, it's um, we've got bifolds in the kitchen. It's the same sort of thing. So it's been quite nice whether we open the bifolds out and you can walk down onto the patio, right? Great stuff. That was cool until like a week ago, the same thing. She's like, Oh no, I can do steps now. <laughs> oh, can you? Great stuff. All right. Close the bifolds. So it's, and it, you're right. It can change on a dime. It's like a second and it can change. And you just, what the heck has gone on there then? Like, yeah. what's, how's that happened? Even if you try not to make a big deal out of it, because you know that they'll keep doing it if you do, they still notice that that's something new and they, you don't really want them to do it. So that's it. They do it all the more. Exactly that. Yeah, well, that exactly. And it becomes a game and you're like, no, this is not a game. And then they say no. And you're like, no, this is just perpetuating all the problems. Stop it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's... But again, I sort of admire that. Like I, I do, I, I try and take myself out of that particular situation. I do, I, I sort of laugh to myself about, you know, I'm glad she's like this and not a wallflower. I'm, I'm glad she's a bit of a pain. Yeah, yeah. I've got, you know, I've got because, two of them. <laughs> I mean, that'll stand them in good stead though. You know, you want, when it, when, it get, when they get older and they're in the 20s and they've got to fight for their, what they want from life, you know, and they've got to 
realize that you've got to have a bit of tenacity. You've got to, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get, you've got to, um, no one's going to have your back unless you kind of make sure of it. You know, they, we aren't going to be there all the time to help with it, you know, and the, you know, the, 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 the 25 year old version of undoing the buckle is, is, you know, something career wise or going yeah. on a holiday or having your own family or getting your own stuff. You, you know, that, that, that standing on their own two feet is such an important aspect of it. And having that tenacity to explore is, um, you can see why a lot of, again, people like our generation where a lot of the time it was, like I said earlier, do as I say, not as I do. You can see why that didn't really work, but also why a lot of people, if they don't have the natural tenacity to think, what, that's stupid. Why a lot of people, like I see it with old school friends of mine that have got a lot of talent, a lot of personality, but they never did. Frankly, they never did what they could have done in life because their parents had almost, you know, mentally beaten it out of them by just saying, you know, I say don't take risks. As a, as a general you know, overall, here's the mentality I'm imparting on you. Don't take risks because bad stuff can happen. That has then translated to them just not doing anything as adults and sort of regretting it in a lot of cases. And I have that conversation a lot with people I know. Um, so I think I think that that also then transposes to like our mentality. You know, even now, from my side, 15 months old, from yours, two and six, you know, that is happening now. Like we are literally with every conversation that we have with them, dictating the way that they will think when they are 25, 26, 27 years old. Yeah. Um, you got to be so careful with that. That's that's a, a really interesting point and quite important, really. I think if we, if, if we overanalyze every aspect of our day with the kids and we think about that particular thing before each interaction, each conversation, each argument, each set of instructions, I think we'd, we'd, we'd pause and we'd change what we were going to say. Mm -hmm. But that, that is yeah. very difficult to do and you can't do it all the time. I know that, but that is something really interesting to, to try and remember. And I need to remember that because I'll have certain conversations with my six year old because he, well, he's like I was when I was a kid, he will do stupid things and he will yeah. be a bit of a risk taker and he won't realize he's done it wrong until he's done it wrong. And, uh, as an adult, you can see it coming, but you can't be there every second to stop that. No, And you, no. you shouldn't be there every second to stop it. Obviously, I wouldn't want him to get hurt or injured, but it's a part of life. You know, a scrape on the knee I'd rather have than anything else. But then he might learn from that that particular uh, activity that, oh, I got a scrape on the knee last time. I either need to do it differently or not do it again. And that's good for him to know. Um, but also like being able to assess the, the risk versus reward. Yeah. You know, I think that's a lot of thing that we don't, we don't necessarily talk about is that, okay, it, I got a graze on the knee, which hurt for like a minute. But I did, when I got the graze on the knee, that enabled me to do all these other things. So there was a little bit of pain for all this fun game, you know? And it's, so it's even sort of a, um, you know, treating that risk reward and, and, and getting them to, to, to develop their own sensibilities around what they are willing to risk. So I, again, I see this a lot of the time where with friends and even with me, like imagine being a grown up now and, and climbing a tree, like balls to that. It sounds mental yeah, because you know, you can fall and you're going to, you're going to probably hurt yourself. You know but actually, hurt. yeah. And it's, but if someone said climb that tree for a million quid, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Good and chance. It's because, it's because the, 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 the risk and reward is so different for us. And it's, 
you know, you you almost want your kids, I, I, I guess, and I don't know because I'm not, you know, the kid's not 16, 17 yet, but like, I'd love her to get to 40 and be like, yeah, trees are mint, I'm going to climb it. You know, regardless of the million quid, I'm just going to get up the tree because the worst I'll get is like maybe a, a, a graze or I might scrape myself. Or if I fall, I might break an arm. Yeah, that's crap. But, you know, think of how much fun we could have. If in, in the 99 out of 100 times that I don't break an arm, this is going to be brilliant. Um, so it's, I know that's quite an extreme example, but I think the point that I'm getting at is that it's easy to, and I don't know, this might be complete speculation and, and, you know, like total naivety, but there's a, there just feels like there's something nice about almost encouraging a little bit more risk. As long as it's safely done, you know, it's like, you know, our little girl going down the patio steps. I either don't let her go down the steps or I teach her how to go down the steps. And I know which one I've done and I know which one I'm going to keep doing. And it's the teaching her. And there'll be times that she doesn't do it and times where I think, oh dear. And, but rather than what I tend to do is rather than hold her and carry her up, I'll just put my hand like two inch away from her back. So she's yeah. still getting all the reward and the whole, yeah, I've done it. But I, I know she's just as safe as if I was holding her. And it's, it's little things like that. I think that, again, might be total naivety because I've not got that far into it yet. But I just feel like, it will it gets over some of the stuff that we might not have been taught because it was always very I was certainly had that it was always very don't do that you might get hurt you know and it's just a subtle difference I feel enables a lot of different behaviors I, th I think doing it early on with the small things uh, and the education of it giving them inf the information for them to make the decision allows them then when they get to the teenage years to have that bit more trust in you that well dad says this I'm now in this situation with mm -hmm. my mate and he wants me to do this or whatever and, and I need to have you need to give them the information to make that decision then that's their choice then isn't it because they're gonna they're gonna do risk taking risk taking behavior it's part of being a teenager but you'd mm -hmm. like them to have the information to say well actually that that's a bit too much for me I'm not going to do that but be comfortable in being able to say no I'm not doing what mm -hmm. you're doing because I know that's stupid and I'm going to get hurt or yeah. X, Y, Z could happen. Um, yeah. And I think, I think the only way to kind of get to that, somebody listening might know better than me, but the only way to get to that is by doing the little things from when they're young and, and guiding them up the steps so they can learn how to do it rather than pick them up every single time. Cause it's easier and you don't want them to get hurt. Yeah. I agree, man. It's uh, like I said, though, that it all sounds ideal with, you sat here talking about it. it's you know it's, it's when like I said when the kettle's boiling you've got a pan up cooking the oven's beeping the dog's barking and then the kid's trying to get up the stairs you're like right so I'm just picking you up it's like one of them I don't know what they're called but they're like a test uh, that certain places certain jobs would do where it's like a chaotic scene and there's lots of risk and lots of, and you've got to kind of be a risk management and number mm. them from from which is priority which would tackle first or whatever uh, that's kind of everyday family life isn't it yeah <laughs> It really is. Yeah, you get good at prioritizing stuff that could be dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Start with fire and work backwards. Is there anything, can anything set on fire? No, right. Okay, we're good. We're safe. Next. You know, yeah. that's that. So it's my rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. Good place to start. Was Was there any advice that was given to you um, that you, you thought nothing particularly of, but has become a sort of everyday, an everyday thing that you do live by or, or maybe maybe not at all? Do you know what? I've forgotten all of the advice. I must have had like 30 people go, I'm going to give you some advice. 
and I know you're not asked for it. I'm like, right, okay, but you're going to give it anyway, so that's cool. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I've forgotten it all, mate, if I'm completely <laughs> honest with you. I've got a pretty dodgy short-term memory, to be completely frank with you. I've got, I'm like ADHD specialist. So I, I can't remember a damn thing about what's going on because I'm thinking about like, oh, there's a squirrel outside or what am I doing tomorrow? And, you know, really? so it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm terrible with that short-term memory stuff. However, um, one of the general kind of threads that ran through a lot of the advice that I can recall was that the idea of being present. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm a busy tech guy. Yeah. I'm online a lot. I'm on Twitter a lot because that's where I apply my trade. Um, I work in podcasting, so I do a lot of this stuff and, and don't get me wrong. There'll be times where I'll, I'll be on my phone and the kids around and whatever. But the thing that I've been very careful not to do is I've never, ever, and I never will say no to her wanting attention from me in favor of something like a phone or a computer screen or something like that. That's something that I've never done and never will do. Um, that's not to say that if she's, you know, she might be just having a time where she's absolutely knackered. You need to put Bing on for half an hour, which I'm sick of seeing that little bunny. Twat, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's a right pain in my neck. Um, but there might be a time where you need half an hour and she's like on a squish mallow, laid down, absolutely knackered, but will completely refuse to go to sleep. So you pop Bing on and I'll, you know, we will be there. I'll be doing something for work or whatever. And that, that I see is a little bit different, but that, but that's been one, um, I think element where there's, there's like a difference between using the tech and letting the tech come first. And I think that's something that I've always been really careful of doing. Um, which I think is is important. So yeah, that that's a big thing that that may or may not have come from advice, but something that I've been really conscious of. Yeah, that's really useful. That's something to, again to kind of be, be mindful of all the time, isn't it? I mean, with our probably with our first, we weren't as conscious of that as we are now with the second. But then we've got a child that's older that mm. is interested in tech now and interested in the gaming and and, and all that kind of stuff, and we kind of have to monitor that and. Um, guide help guide him through that as well so we have to then be conscious of what we're doing and how we're doing and what it looks like to him uh, if we're on yeah. the phone if we're on the phone 24 7 and he wants to play on his game or whatever it is yeah. you know why can't i do that when you're on your phone 24 7 so yeah that's a yeah. tough thing man there's also that term you know you'll get it you'll you get it with people you know often say you know kids shouldn't have the screen in front of them and all that sort of stuff and i totally get that having having said that like what do you think they're going to be working on in 20 years time? They're either, you know, a screen will either be the thing that they do or it will enable the thing that they do or they will not need it at all. You know, just as a real basic example, they're either going to be tradespeople that use it for their invoicing or they're going to work on it or they might go as far as using AI and, and being a developer or whatever. So either way, they're touching it. They're going to touch tech and tech will touch them. And it's it's one of those areas where... You know, it's almost like, right, so imagine, you know, your grandma, um, you know, and and, and your great-great-grandma saying to your grandma, hang about, what's what's going on here? Why, why, why are they using this abacus? We didn't have abacuses when, well, we didn't need them. Nah, just good old-fashioned playing. Yeah, you shouldn't be playing with that abacus. And then fast forward a generation, you know, why, why are they playing with that? Toy with a battery in it. Nah, we didn't need that. Just a wooden top. Why has he not got a wooden top? That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just why have you got, we don't need this thing with a battery in it. That's daft. And you're like, well, so that's what it's become now. It's almost, you know, if you, you the whole, 
why are why are they playing a game on on a on an iPad or whatever? Because that's where games are in this generation. Like that's cool, but like you said, monitoring it and, and making sure it's not crazy. But I would much rather that my kid grew up knowing how to work tech than be behind in that aspect just because of some ideals from our generation or the generation and the generation even before that that preceded it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, but there is obviously there's a balance, and I know you know the damage that a screen can do is not the same as a damn abacus. But, you know, there were no blue light off abacuses and there was no screen addiction from a bloody abacus. But the point stands that in moderation, it's it's an enabler, it's a benefit. And it's just about how you nurture that. And, and, and you know, that's why I'm a big fan of like these um, things that help with coding and logic. You know, you see a lot of these things that help with logic and, and, and simple if this, then that stuff. You know, if I put this thing here and it, oh, then this thing over here happens. The, you see um, Apple do a few of them. You see these little mini code kits. Um and it teaches kids the logic around it because that is an element to what exists in this world that they're in now. It's not yeah. two or three generations ago where it was, okay, that my jobs are pretty much going to be the same as the generation before me. Like this this last two generations, well, actually, probably last three or four generations, you know, everything from like late, maybe like sort of Gen Xs, you know, the the development of tech has never been as quick. You know, the whole Moore's law, two year um, computing power doubles. I don't think is even genuinely like that anymore. I think it's more like half of that. And, you know, look at, you know, blockchain, AI, the fact that you can, you can, you can frankly become a developer and a coder without really needing to code anymore. Um, Is it's, it's, you know, in 20 years, what is going to be going on? You know, my kid's going to be 21, 22 at that point just really figuring out what the career looks like and think of what's happened in the last 20 years. No real AI. There was totally no blockchain. The internet was fairly nascent back in 2003. We had bits of it. Like I was on eBay in 2003, but I didn't really want to transact because I didn't trust it. Now all payments are done online. Yeah. Um, you know, so man, it's such a different, the pace of change is different compared to what it used to be. So I think it's a responsibility to set your kid up for the, not only the tech that we have now, but the pace of change that will happen within their lifetime. You know, does that, if that makes any sense? No, I think it does. And and with the gaming stuff for my six-year-old, I'm, I'm, I grew up with technology and games and, and, and a PlayStation in my room and all that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas I know my parents didn't. So I'm quite happy for him to have that access. The one thing that is maybe, maybe puts me off is a little bit what you're talking about, the, the the speed of the change, that every game that the kids are playing now, his age, are, are online. Whereas when I was playing games, I wasn't playing online. I was just playing the game. I was playing the PlayStation yeah. to play the game. I wasn't playing against my mates that uh, were down the street or, or other people around the world. So it was. It feels like it was a little bit safer. I mean, if I, yeah, ever, if, I right. if I got access to an 18 game and I was only 13... I might see stuff and hear stuff that a 13 year old shouldn't see ideally. Mm-hmm. But I think that's twofold when you're playing that online because you're playing with much older people again mm-hmm. that are allowed to play that game. They're the right age. And so you see and hear things extra that you you, you shouldn't be seeing and hearing. Um, yeah. Very difficult to moderate that man. I get it. Yeah. Cause I was like, you know, look, what damage has super Mario three done to me? Absolutely nothing. In fact, 
you know, or whatever, Crash Bandicoot, yeah. you know, um, it's taught me logic. If I fall, I die and go back to the beginning. Yeah. Very base logic. If I eat this mushroom, I get bigger. It means I get more opportunity to do things and I get two chances instead of one at not dying. So it teaches you base logic, but you're right, you know, everything. And I think that's the difference between tech and social tech. Um, we all know the damage that social media does. I, Even though I'm on social, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, my main social channels, I hate social media. If it wasn't for work, I wouldn't be on it at all. Genuinely wouldn't. Um, you know, and that's from someone that is, is you know, it's not a big Twitter profile, but like 10,000 people on Twitter. I use it mostly for work and, and a bit of banter, a bit of Star Wars, this, that, and the other, a bit of golf. And so it's a, it's a reason, like I could probably make more money from social media if I gave a crap about it, but I hate it. Like it's dangerous. Social yeah. media is dangerous. And it's... So I think that element of it, that social aspect to the technology is something to really keep an eye on. And, and also the levels of addiction that people can now get from that social uh, side of tech, you know, the the way that we are taught to want the next thing, taught to want the next Instagram picture, the new stuff, the new content, things I've not seen, that compulsion that we feel. Um you know, trying to find ways to protect the kids from that, I think is important. I don't know if we can do it. don't know if it's even possible, but I think there's a duty of care to balance the types of tech that the kids are exposed to. Absolutely right, mate. Yeah. I've got a final question. Is uh, is there a famous dad that you would like to be like or try and be like? That could be anybody. It could be Homer Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be uh, Jonathan Kent is like the ultimate dad. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Kent. The small alliteration is a good one, played by John Snyder. But uh, you know, you got to balance a superpowered alien with being a farm boy. That's pretty yeah. much the toughest gig on the planet. So I, I, I always liked the way that, that character was written. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge comics fan. Um, it's you either you either become Batman or you become you know, Jonathan Kent if you're going to be a dad. You know, you're either a pushy dick like Bruce Wayne is to the the kids he, he takes under his wing. Or you're Jonathan Kent, you know, you, you see the difference in outcome there. Um, but no, I, for me, I'm a huge fan of, of the way that that character has always been written, right from the earliest iterations, you know, back to like the Kurt Swan era in the 50s, 60s. Um, but just this this idea of balance, you know, I think is a, is a huge thing for me, this idea that, you, yes, your job is to be a dad um, and, and, and there should be a level of respect and authority that comes with that, but actually nurturing an environment where, the child has space to develop and to create their own boundaries and to create their own thought processes and opinions without fear of 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 um what they what, what, without fear of judgment if you like that's quite an extreme example but without fear of of you know being worried that someone else will think it's wrong i think that's an important thing to do so yeah that's it i think jonathan kent is the ultimate dad for me he's nailed it that's that's a top answer as well. When I when I wrote, when I threw that question in, I thought I'm probably not going to get as serious an answer from that as I might do from some of the other ones. But that that's a top answer. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat John Kent. He's a, he's a good one. And like I said, it's uh, it's the, the Smallville iteration. You know, even though that's not my favorite iteration of Superman, it's the, the that iteration of that character is really well done. So yeah, 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 really good. It's been brilliant to talk to you, and thanks for taking time out to, to come and have a conversation and oh my pleasure mate no i've been wanting to do this for a while i i, I like talking dad stuff most of the po podcasts that i do cast about podcasting a lot and industry stuff and 
yeah. talk to pod news and all that kind of guff. But the stuff that I enjoy is stuff like this, you know, doing stuff that is, means a lot to me that I don't work in. Um, yeah. So I know I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Well, any any sort of milestones you hit, any changes, then you're welcome to come back on and tell us all about it. I'm sure we'll be eager to listen. I'm well up for that, mate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Finish off by telling us what you've got going on, what you've got coming up. I know you've been quite busy over the past few weeks, haven't you? Oh, yeah, we've got, got some Captivate stuff released. Well, we've got a reveal in like an hour and a half from when we're recording this, which will be good. So if you watch that reveal, you'll see me looking exactly the same as I look now. <laughs> um yeah, not not dressing up for that one. Um, the same T-shirt, same hat. Might switch the lights on. We'll see. Um, but yeah, we got that going on, and that yeah, it's boring to talk about work stuff. The main one is probably the Star Wars podcast, and we've got a Star Wars podcast that's for busy dads like us. Basically, if you love Star Wars and geek stuff, um, it's really hard to keep up with stuff that you like when you're a dad. You don't get a chance to do it. So Gaz and I do a weekly Star Wars news roundup where it's like here's everything that's going on in Star Wars in like. 35, 40 minutes when you're driving. Um, so it's yeah, if there's any Star Wars fans out there and you're finding yourself a bit bit out of out of touch with it all, just check out sparkerrebellion.com. And uh yeah, it's just a laugh to do that, mate. I love doing it. That sounds ace. Um not not one I've I know of I've seen you mention it quite a lot of time. Star Wars is something that I maybe got into, went back when the Phantom Menace came out. I went to watch it at cinema Same. and then I kind of drifted off with it and didn't come back uh, i know a lot of my mates are into it and, and big into it so maybe it's uh and there's a lot of stuff on disney now isn't there i should i should have mm. a catch-up really It'd be good for the kids to get into six-year-old will love it i think there you go there you go yeah that's the way to do it and i like that reasoning as well that like, yeah it's for the kids of course yeah, yeah I'll, I'll we'll binge it for the kids yeah, yeah yeah so when i eventually get my garage sorted and i've got a man cave and all these things start coming star wars based from ebay i can tell my wife well it's for the kid so Exactly. I see you're learning. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. It's been really good. Cheers. And I'll see you again. You will, sir. Yeah. Take it easy, man. Thank you again.